Welcome to the Forward 40 Podcast, where we highlight the experiences of 40 women of color on the rise in the nonprofit and social enterprise sectors. This is an ode to our foremothers, a healing circle of our unique experiences, and a bridge of insight and wisdom across generations. another episode of Forward 40. Very excited for today's guest that we have with us. We have Margaret Nyamumbo. She is the founder CEO of Kahawa 1893. So welcome, Margaret. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yes, I am too. So for those that are like, well, what is Kahawa 1893? Um, it is a coffee uh, business and company and I know that that's very interesting uh, the fact that we connected and I'm featuring you here um, on this platform so for those that are curious about what Kahawa is how did Kahawa come to be? Um, Yeah so Kahawa actually means coffee in Swahili um, which is the language that we speak in Kenya where I'm originally from and 1893 is the year that coffee was first grown commercially in Kenya. So mm-hmm. with Kahawa 1893, we're celebrating um, sort of a history of growing um, delicious coffee for the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I like to remind everyone is that coffee originated in East Africa. So mm-hmm. right door in Ethiopia and then you went around the Americas. Um, and now, um, you know, back again to, to Africa where we grow some of the most coveted coffee in the world. Um, And so I started Kahawa about two years ago. Um, I was working on Wall Street. I'd just done my MBA and was working on Wall Street. And I'd always wanted to do something to give back um, Mm -hmm. uh, to my my country um, and to kind of where I grew up in Kenya. Mm -hmm. And I was was turning 30. um, And I felt like that was a really good time for me to to really start to do something um, mm. and build something. And so I looked around and I noticed this trend of um, sort of a growing um, a growing trend of people really, you know, liking coffee and wanting, you know, specialty coffee. And, um, and I remembered uh, sort of growing up in Kenya and um, sort of Kenyan coffee is considered the best coffee in the world. Um, objectively and i was like okay there's this women that i know back home that grow delicious coffee um, but i can't find it here in the u.s hmm. um when i connected the dots i realized there was um there was uh, some disconnect between um the trade the, the way that the coffee trade is um is structured is very structured in a colonial way where uh, there's sort of multinationals that transport coffee around the world um, and, you know, that the way that coffee is traded hasn't changed um, in, in a long time. And so I started to look at what's really going on there. And for me, what stood out was that a lot of the work was done by women. So women do about 90 percent of the work in coffee. Um, mm. and, and then they were not getting compensated um, in, in Kenya because they don't own the land. And so. For me, I saw that as, as a situation where I could actually help, you know, build a coffee company that could 
give directly back to women. Wow. Um, yeah, so that was the genesis of that, um, of, of, of Kahao 1893. I mean, that, you, you just spoke so much life <laughs> just into the <laughs> overview um, of how Kahawa came to be. Um, and something that resonated for me is that you mentioned you were working on Wall Street. Um, so you were in uh, the banking industry in the private sector and chose to make this transition. Um, just, you know, this past week, um, well, actually this week, uh, yeah. it was the recognition of 400 years since the um, first enslaved Africans arrived on the Commonwealth of Virginia. And the New York Times had done uh, this project, and I definitely encourage others to look into the project, the 1619 Project, uh, and they referenced the work and um, what's Wall Street is known for like current day, present day. It's just like, oh, banking, finance, Um, but inherent in what was actually happening on Wall Street (laughs) years ago. um, It was the walled place where um, they were actually auctioning off um, enslaved um, Africans. So uh, I found it, I find it to be very inspiring and powerful that you were able to take the skills and the training that you had to then give back um, to your your country, your people, um, our people, um, and, and women. So just thank you for that. Um, it's very, and very I powerful. Wanna, yeah, no, thank you. And I just want to add very quickly to the 1619 Project. I was just, I, I think that the project has raised the consciousness mm-hmm. of the history of a country in a really um, interesting way, just to have people think about how like our systems are organized and I think for me what's interesting is to see um so when I think about 1893 I see it sort of as a as a the end of 1619 and the beginning Um. of a new system so essentially when you think about 1893 it's a very interesting day year in it's five years since um slave trade was abolished in Brazil Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Brazil was the last um, country in the Western Hemisphere to end um, slavery. And that's yes. because of the amount of labor that was in demand for coffee. Mm. And so when coffee, uh, when slave trade was, was uh, banned, so you couldn't really transport um, slaves onto the Western Hemisphere again. So companies were like, okay, so we can't transport. What if we made them, you know, actually just work for free on their own plantations? Mm. And that's the system that we now have that started in 1893, which is having sort of people work on their own plantations uh, mm. and don't pay them. So a lot of that, the 1619 kind of turned into 1893, which is sort of the current system that we see with a lot of commodities, mm. whether it's cocoa, tea, or, um, or coffee. So to me, that was a really interesting discussion to get started. And hopefully in the future, we'll see the New York Times do another version that, you know, extends... Uh, how 1693 now actually is reflected on the global economy. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, also just like more broadly with the the rhetoric that um, seems to be very shocking for some but not for for not for most and 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 by for most i'm like you know people of color uh whether uh we are um descendants of enslaved people or um indigenous to this land 
or um, immigrants to this country, um, this kind of rhetoric of go back to your country. Um, and when you and I were initially speaking, um, yep. you, you reflected on, you know, this juxtaposition of being within two worlds or feeling like you're operating within two worlds. So um, can you just speak more to that and also um, your what it feels like uh, for you to be in a position to still hold true to your identity to then empower um, other women in, in the work that you're doing? Um, yeah, I mean, um, obviously, you're right. We, we haven't been surprised by sort of Trump's rhetoric about, you know, go back to where you come from. And that's the idea of like, who belongs where. Mm. Um, and I think for me, um, sort of having grown up in Kenya, uh, so not really thinking about race. Um, so in Kenya, we think more about tribalism and ethnicity. Mm. And knowing not knowing I was black until I showed up here and then realizing, oh, I'm actually black. Mm. Um, and sort of, now living in America um, as black, but also having one one foot back um, in Kenya, where I'm, I'm Kenyan, uh, but I'm also black in America. Um, so that's kind of an interesting. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting identity, I guess, to to to, to take on. Um, and now I think seeing more of the uh, I call them global diaspora women mm-hmm. taking you know, kind of taking space in our world. So the Ilan Omar's Lupita Nyong'o. Mm-hmm. Seeing um, the Lupita Nyong'o's, um, you know, the Ilan Omar's um, sort of taking space in, in, in the global diaspora and really kind of speaking to to the global diaspora woman who has roots in Africa, but mm-hmm. it's now kind of has taken... Um, their space in the Western world. Um, and that, that to me is how I'm feeling represented. Um, and so I'm feeling that, okay, I can actually be in America, uh, but still empower, you know, people in Africa, uh, which is where you know, my family is, which is where I grew up. Um, so in, in a way, um, I, I feel like the world is uh, sort of embracing that identity more and more mm-hmm. and sort of back to this um I, the 1619 project um so the celebration of 400 years um where Nancy Pelosi was actually back in Ghana where there's this movement and encouragement of Africans in the diaspora to visit Africa absolutely um, so that connection of where we are less having them against us sort of Africans against African Americans but more of we're all the same people. Uh, we are fighting for the same cause. Um, so let's sort of think of ourselves as, as sort of one one global Africa diaspora as opposed to sort of uh, groups divided. So I'm really, really feeling encouraged by this sort of growing solidarity among the Africa diaspora in the U.S., in Latin America. We've had our Kenyan president visit Jamaica recently. So I'm, I'm really getting encouraged by the... Um, by this sort of meeting of uh, meeting of different minds and encouraging um, community and solidarity. Yes, and this you know um, this up uptick in the reunification of, as you said, like the global diaspora. Um, I agree with you that it's definitely inspiring, and um, 
I'm inspired by by your journey and although I am not a coffee drinker so I first uh, was introduced to to you and your business um, yeah. at a board meeting and um, well actually it was a, a board retreat and yep. um, one of our like a shared Smith alum had yep. brought it from California and I was just like okay well I can't drink any of it but this bag looks very beautiful <laughs> <laughs> Packaging is nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness! But I was able to um, to gift it uh, to to my family. So um, just being very even intentional in our purchasing power um, mm-hmm. that we have, and knowing that not only are we supporting um, businesses that are uh, people of color owned, black owned, uh, but that it also has a mission that's associated with it uh with with the profit um so in in terms of the like the supply chain aspect of um kahawa and uh blockchain and you know your your emphasis on putting money back in the hands of the women that are there and empowering them for those that don't know what blockchain is um can you just speak more more to that and um this kind of this transfer of of wealth and uh of of profit back to the women in kenya yeah so Essentially, when I started Kahawar, um, I was thinking, okay, how do I get money in the hands of women? Um, and so the way that the women currently support themselves is through small businesses. So because coffee is an annual crop, mm-hmm. you only harvest it once a year. Um, and so for the rest of the year, um, you have to find other ways of surviving. And so the way that the women who run the households, the way they make money is, you know, they grow vegetables or they do small trades, but they lack access to credit. So they don't actually have, um, you know, any assets. They can get a bank loan. So what they've done is they've come together in groups of about 20 or 30 um, in what is called um, table banking. So think hmm. of women on a table and they each put together, you know, let's say it's $5 each a week into a pot and that, that part now becomes um, like the bank. And then they give to one woman who is able to use that money for their business. Oh, so and like so a susu. Of, yes. And then think of that going round, right? And so saying, oh, wow, that's actually the, the, the way that they're empowering themselves. So the way that we can help um, is what if we increase the size of that pot so that instead of them having, you know, $50 a week, what if they had $500 a week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what if they were, you know, loaning um, money to five women a week instead of one woman a week? So that to me was like, okay, so if we sold our, if we got the coffee from from the cooperative in Kenya, it's called Moromba Cooperative, um, we roast it locally here in um, California, um, and then we're able to put um, a portion of our profits, we're doing 25% back into that pot. And then helping these women um, with their lending, um, and they're able to essentially buy, you know, stock for their stock for their. Um, let's say if they sell some clothing, they're able to buy stock. If they sell uh, vegetables, they're able to buy seedlings and plant. That now they actually can make a profit. And we've seen some of these women uh, put their kids back to school. Um, so this was something they initially couldn't. And we know that when women get money in their pockets, um, that dollar. Um, is able to to be used 
you know, more than twice to support the family. Men are likely to spend their their dollars outside the home. So getting money into the hands of women um, is very, very impactful. And so that's how we started. And when I started thinking about, okay, how can we make this even more um, automated? How can we use technology to help essentially empower consumers mm-hmm. to directly? So so if you don't drink coffee, but you actually want it to empower the women, you can go on our website and you can actually send your donation or tip directly to the women. So that's one Beautiful. way we're using technology. Um, and so the blockchain, I know it's a very big word, but the way what makes it useful is that we were able to use um, what we call digital currencies uh, to send cross-border payments um, mm. to Kenya. So if you, if you were, just to give you an idea, for each cup of coffee, if you're able to tip five cents, that doubles the farmer's income, right? Mm. But sending five cents to you know into a different country in another currency is really not possible right now because of the transaction costs and that's where the digital currencies come in because they've made it seamless to move money you know across borders they've reduced transaction costs and so that's one of the ways in which we're able to connect a consumer directly um, to a farmer so if you buy coffee on our website now you'll get a a bag with a QR code on the mm-hmm. back of the bag. You can scan that QR code and then you can, you know, send a tip, you know, a dollar, 50 cents, five cents, you know, into that pot that I mentioned to help these women with their, um, with their micro lending activities and help them, uh, you know, take their kids to school, buy more stock for their, for their businesses or, you know, pay for healthcare. So it's a very, um, I think, empowering way for consumers who want to connect directly with producers but aren't able to in the current uh, trading system. That is amazing. Thank you for <laughs> th- thank you for breaking that down for us. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think that um, you know, I think it's a system that I I hope um, sort of becomes more and more common over time. You know, the idea that we can connect directly with producers and support them and and that's you know even an extended way of supporting if you're mentioning you know being able to use our dollars um to have the impact we want to see in the world um and so historically we've done that using uh, fair trade for instance where we're able to buy coffee or tea that or chocolate that has a fair trade stamp mm-hmm. and then the the promise was that the farmer was getting um a fair price but now using technology, we can actually make sure by sending the, that, that money directly to the producer. So that's a very, I think, very good vision for um, how we can use technology to help those um, that are, um, you know, not doing as well in the, in the current system. That is amazing. Um, now, Margaret, in terms of, you know, you putting your technical training to work around this social mission, what have you encountered um, in terms of being an entrepreneur in the space and specifically being a social entrepreneur, right? Like um, sometimes um, unless you are, you know, the the profit is for millions or billions of dollars, um, there seems to be an oversight. And especially when you're a woman, and especially when you are a woman of color, and then let's go (laughs) deeper into that, when you are 
a black woman um, and we're coming off of, you know, black women equal pay day um, just just yesterday. So what what kind of challenges have you experienced in the space raising capital um, yeah. and how have you managed that um, to, to overcome that? To, to scale the, the business? Yeah, I mean, you hit on all the points. Sort of, we, I have a lot of things going, going against me, right? You know, female, black, um, immigrant uh, with accent, um, sort of working with a project in a developing country. Uh, so those are all things that are, you know, sort of not, uh, not positives when you're trying to raise capital in, um, in, in the current environment. Um, and I think the statistics are, um, I think black women uh, have received um, less than 0.0001% of all capital raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the statistics are very bleak. Um, and I think for me, I I actually took a different approach, which was kind of knowing those statistics and um, and, and, and realizing that this, this was going to be a tough road ahead. So I actually... Um, didn't raise any capital um, yet. Um, so I've been self-funded um, through family and friends and, and, and you know, putting the, some of the profits back into the business because our, our business is a cash business, um, thankfully. And, and, and that was just, you know, looking at the statistics um, and looking at how hard it is to raise capital, how much time it takes. Um, and so for us, uh, we decided to focus on sort of building the business first um, mm. to a scale that we can then attract capital. Um, so we've we've over the last um, over the last uh, two years we've been self-funded, and now we're at, at a scale where we are starting to attract um, outside capital. Um, and I think for me, um, it, it's it's unfortunate, but that's really the reality of of, of sort of having all those strikes against you and um, sort of trying to prioritize your time between sort of chasing um, chasing those dollars which are um, elusive or sort of focusing on building on building a business. Um, and um, I have to say that I think I am I'm a little bit privileged. I have to acknowledge that that I because of my network, because of Smith and because of, of the Harvard network, I've been in a better position um, to be able to leverage um uh, the network in ways that I'm, I, I'm sure other people haven't had the same resources. So I, I do have to acknowledge that privilege, but I, you know, as you know, it's not enough. Um, mm-hmm. So there, there is in, in the, in, in the investment community, there is an image of, of a, sort of a Mark Zuckerberg um, that everyone's looking for. And, you know, we don't fit that image. Um, and so that it's, it's a tough, tough road. Um, and I think that, for me, it's been encouraging to see more more um, investors of color coming into the space, you know, the Alan Hamiltons coming into the space and, you know, being very, very deliberate about focusing their efforts on um, underappreciated in, um, entrepreneurs. So, um, yeah, again, so no good news there, but I think saying that I'm encouraged by seeing um, a lot of people starting to again take space and take take space uh, sort of be vocal in the media about why we need we need th- that kind of support. So it's been encouraging. I'm, I'm feeling better about you know being able to go out there and 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 um, and, and raise money now that um, now that we're at a space that we can. Well, you said no good news there, and I would like to 
counter that and say that was actually great news that um, <laughs> the fact that you did not allow for those um, perceived strikes um, and also and, and, and by perceived, I'm not saying that they aren't real. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying that um, you could have allowed the label of being a woman, being an immigrant woman, being a black woman, um, being an African woman. I can go on and on and on. You could yeah. have allowed that to um, deter you from pursuing this mission. And yeah. um, but you have been able to sustain this business with the, yeah. you know, with the the impact in mind that it's it's bigger than you, um, and yeah. there are households that you're impacting, there are communities that you're impacting, and those communities are very much linked to to who you are um, yeah. as um, and, and your existence in this space. So uh, I, I thank you for that. Um, there's. And I do agree that there are efforts to be more intentional, to support, I like your, your phrasing, underappreciated entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah, that's Alan Hamilton's, uh, I think they actually have t-shirts where they cross out, which I really love. They have these t-shirts where they've crossed out underrepresented and, and replaced it with underappreciated. I think it's pretty cool. Yes, that, that's powerful yeah. language. Um, yeah. Because, you know, we have and we continue to be entrepreneurs. We continue to drive change in business yeah. within our communities. Um, and it may not necessarily resonate with dominant culture, with white culture um, or uh, the, the white community at large. Yeah. Um, but so long as we are very intentional about elevating our resilience, our awesomeness, and also making others aware of the, the greatness that we're doing, uh, it'll help to drive further investments. Um, so I'm definitely going to put a plug in for you know people to actually support, especially if you can opt um, in to invest in Kahawa 1893 versus... Yep. Another coffee brand, <laughs> you know, like yeah. we, we don't know, you know, like where that dollar is going. Um, sometimes we tend to be very um, driven by convenience. So, well, this is what's in my store. So let me just get this or this is what's in sale uh, on sale. But um, thinking much bigger than that moment and much bigger than yep. who we are in the world mm -hmm. is uh, more impactful. Yeah, and and I mean, thank thank you for that. And I think that um, you know, for me, you know, what keeps me going, um, you know, it's it's really tough, right, being an entrepreneur, um, and you know, in a in a social in a social space. But to me, it's the satisfaction that I get, you know, from being able to help um, this women and knowing that, you know, like. There, there aren't many people in my situation that sort of have that connection, know their situation well enough to be able to help them um, sort of improve out of that. And I think for me, even when I encounter difficulties, sometimes I, I laugh because I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm like, I have to do this. No obstacle is going to mm -hmm. be <laughs> too big for me. So I think that's, you know, really what keeps me going and keeps me sort of climbing all these mountains that I'm encountering because if we can solve that problem if we can um if we can you know use our power like Tony Morrison said we can use our power to empower others that's really it's really powerful um and I think that um when I think about 
you know, being free. Um, and, you know, the whole thing about we really I can be happy if, you know, people that are my family are not in a good space mm. yet. It's it's essentially I want to bring everyone um, into a, into a, into a good space. So I think that's another thing where I can be as an individual. My individual success is not enough um, if that success doesn't translate into the community's success. Um, as you know, in in Africa we say that you're raised by a village. Um, mm-hmm. So if you as an individual are successful you need to make sure your village is successful. So that's still my frame of reference, which I know is a little bit different from um, from the reference, um, you know, from the modern reference, but the, the attachment to the village success is still some really big part of how I think about, um, how I think my worldview is, is still kind of defined by that idea of, you know, you're, you're, you're raised by a village, so you got to bring your village with you. That is just, I mean... We could end this segment right here, but we won't. <laughs> oh my goodness, you deserve an Academy Award for that. That was amazing. Um, but yes, there are uh, sometimes in the Western world, um, it isn't recognized how much of a individualistic uh, frame of reference there is and uh, how we exist and coexist. Uh, and there needs to be more of this greater understanding and overstanding of you're not existing in this world by yourself and um, each action so long as it is a deliberate action has the ability to positively impact another person and there there's that ripple effect Um, so I yes we are not (laughs) um, (laughs) free unless we uh, unless we're unless we're all free right um and you know people don't realize that uh, like the the most simple example could be um you know someone who is making um six figures but let's say they're riding on you know public transportation um with someone who is barely making minimum wage, right? Um, That person that's barely making minimum wage may actually be more happy (laughs) and more joyous than the person that is making those six figures, right? Um, No, it's really true. Very, very true. (laughs) But, uh, and I think that, you know, just to kind of bring in, um, you know, current events is like the branding of the Amazon forest and sort of hearing Mm -hmm. that it's 20% of our, lungs are you know served by the amazon forest and sort of suddenly it's not a it's not an individual problem it's we're all tied sort of together in that destiny so it's a similar similar thinking in a way and thank you for also raising that because i just so happened to be on twitter the other day and i and i (laughs) almost dismissed it but actually yeah actually seeing that it's the Amazon um, in South America. Um, yep. So, uh, Margaret, in terms of, like, like you spoke to the, the individual actions that people can take yeah. um, with, with their purchase, how have you been able to position the business to be in partnership with, like, bigger companies um, and to 
to brand yourself as um, like you, you reference like a diversity and inclusion initiative, which I think is very brilliant uh, yeah. in, in, in your approach. Yeah. Um, so I think that so at an individual level, I think that, you know, pe- being able to use your purchasing dollars, um, as we've seen in this environment, you could be supporting, you know, if you're as we've seen, you could be supporting um, sort of leadership that's um, oppressing other people. Right. So that's one way where your dollars could be going in a negative place. But you can also use your dollars positively. So, you know, if you if you you know drinking coffee um, every day, you could be buying coffee from sources that are um, empowering other people. So that's sort of at the individual level, and from a you know collective level, is you know we drink coffee at home, but we also drink it drink it at our offices or other spaces. And in, in offices in particular, I think in the Bay Area now, um, in the tech companies, we've been grappling a lot with diversity, but that diversity and inclusion has been you know, kind of focused a lot on the um, HR and human resources and hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that there's actually room to, you know, think even more broadly about, you know, what that diversity and inclusion looks like outside of uh, HR. Um, mm-hmm. And so for us, sort of being able to introduce the co- this coffee that's grown by women, um, it's a woman-owned business, um, it's coffee that's grown by women. It's empowering women. It really fits well into companies that want to, um, you know, kind of act more than just speak, right? So there's a we've had there's a pipeline problem of, of um, sort of, you know, people of color are not able to access um, tech because of a pipeline problem. And so, I think for us, sort of being able to be a small part, you know, play a small part in in, in bringing, um, sort of this diversity, um of uh, as a diversity vendor being able to bring our product into spaces um that may not as be as diverse as they as they could be uh, from a human resource perspective but being able to uh, bring this women who are in kenya but then bring them through in the form of coffee um and so we've been lucky to partner with you know i think for like black history month we partnered with um you know twitter we partnered with you know chan zuckerberg institute we've partnered with facebook uh box and other sort of big uh, tech companies in, in the Bay Area that, you know, recognize that, um, you know, that diversity is something that um, we have to keep striving at, um, but we also have to start looking at it from different elements, from mm-hmm. different aspects. You know, how, how else can, what are other initiatives that we can support um, that may not be physically, you know, here, um, but, you know, we can support through other, through like our, ven- our vendor system. So, that's been a helpful way for us to to position the product um, in 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 spaces that where people spend a lot of their time. Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, and so I think that yeah, so there's a lot of talk of like diversity and inclusion, but you know we're still like not you know taking advantage of this very um, very I think easy way to to bring that this women you know in in Kenya women owned business into spaces and sort of being able to take advantage of that. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I, when we started this this segment, I, I mentioned that it's very interesting that um, I'm a tea drinker, and yeah. <laughs> and um, here you are, a social entrepreneur that you own a coffee um, business company, um, yeah. and I 
you you gave me a fun fact about tea in Kenya, and I was just yeah. would like for you to share that uh, with with our listeners. Yeah, so Kenya is actually um, so first we're actually a tea drinking nation um, because we're colonized by the British. So they they brought over tea, and that's what we we grew up drinking. But fun fact is that's what my generation grew up drinking. Mm. The generation uh, before us, so my grandmother actually is a coffee entrepreneur. Um, she actually roasts down coffee at home and sells it coffee in the market. Oh, wow. So the generation before us was actually a coffee drinker, a coffee drinking generation. And then our generation somehow, we were coffee, we were, sorry, we were tea drinkers. Um, and so we've grown up with sort of a view of tea and, you know, I, I love tea. That's what we grew up drinking. Um, and it sort of switched to coffee when I when I came here to the U.S. And so Kenya, because of our because of our roots, um, we actually the the largest exporter of tea in the world. Mm. Um, so if you drink any tea, um, if you drink like English breakfast, uh, it's most likely from Kenya. Um, so that's that's one thing that you know a lot of people don't realize. But we um, we are like we put a lot of tea out into the world. And how do you say tea? Uh, so uh, so in so similar to how kahawa means um, coffee in Swahili, chai means tea in in uh, Swahili as well. So we just call it chai. So sometimes when I see chai tea on the menu, I chuckle a little bit because it's saying tea tea. tea. <laughs> It's kind of cool to see like how chai has become synonymous with tea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, selfishly at the beginning, I was hoping that kahawa would become synonymous with, with coffee. coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there is definitely still time. <laughs> There's still time. Um, but yeah, so I, I know it's a, it's a little bit, um, it's, it's, a, it's like a little bit hard to pronounce kahawa, but you know, it forces you to smile. Just say it does. Kahawa. Kahawa. When you say kahawa, yeah. you have to smile because it forces you to smile. Yes, <laughs> it, re- it really does. It really does. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I know we connected over tea and, uh, you know, remember at Smith, we used to have um, the Friday teas. Yes. Um, and so so tea is my second favorite drink these days, but that's kind of what we grew up drinking. Um, and uh, although we actually are working towards uh, growing um uh, the coffee drinking culture back in back in Kenya as well. So we have a lot of um, interest growing around coffee in Kenya mm. and sort of discovering it. Um, so we're hoping to to fuel that interest more because um, just the combination of those two, you know, coffee and, and, and tea are are you know, I think you know two of the most beloved beverages in the world um so i think being able for me i think being able to drink coffee in the morning tea in the afternoon is i think that option is very compelling and and then you know kombucha i love kombucha too it's like Mm. my i drink a lot of kombucha i don't know if you drink Um, i've tried it once (laughs) oh you didn't like it i didn't like it oh my god are you drinking the right so here's my here's my trick you gotta uh, you gotta try more flavors um so my favorite flavor is try it is gts um the uh what is it called uh trilogy so i like that one i don't know if you've tried it um that seems to be like a 
a popular flavor, but okay. I, I like it. I, I and I there's a lot of other flavors of kombucha that I don't like, so mm-hmm. I can see how if you're introduced to it, you could not like it. Um, and fun fact, there's actually a whole there's a, a new there's a new social network called TikTok. I don't know if you've heard of it, but. Oh, no. There's a there's already a new um, a new celebrity that's come out of it, and that's because of the faces that she made drinking kombucha for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Probably <laughs> looked like my face when I had it. <laughs> yeah, she said she said that she she showed more emotion, like she showed more like facial facial like emotional range than Meryl Streep. So wow. she went from like you know, like, what is this thing to like, ooh, like, this could be interesting. So <laughs> nice. I will definitely, I will definitely yeah. look into it. <laughs> Check it out. I mean, it's, it's, it's an acquired taste. But mm-hmm. so I think for me, seeing tea, um, you know, evolving into other forms and in coffee as well. So we're seeing, you know, coffee evolving more and more into a cold drink. So we're seeing cold brew growing, um, as a, as a form of drinking, which is similar to you know, how we've seen, you know, tea grow into kombucha. So like a, an alternative form. Okay. Um, so that's really, we love that because for us, like we want to put more, like our farmers, mm-hmm. we want them to have a market for their coffee. So the more that coffee that's out there and people are enjoying, um, we're able to like help our farmers have a market. So, so that's something that we're always uh, kind of, uh, to connect. Yeah. Yeah, we're happy to kind of have more people enjoy those two beverages because of, you know, the connection. Now, Margaret, um, we close each episode and segment with a tea affirmation. Um, so wanted to know what your tea affirmation would be for our listeners. Um, um yeah. So I think that um so I think my tea affirmation is that it's just, you know, keep, keep, keep working at it. I think that the things, things like are, I think there's a lot of positivity in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, one thing that I've actually found really interesting being in coffee is I've discovered what passion can be. Um, mm-hmm. So people, yeah, coffee Lovers and coffee um, people in the industry are very passionate about coffee and what coffee can be and in innovation and sort of being able to use coffee for good. And I've met people that have really inspired me to think that you you can actually think about a product and and happiness and not think of a product as a utility. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how we normally think of things. It's like I drink coffee for, you know, to, to wake up or, or stay awake. But in the industry, um, you know, I've just met those people that are so passionate about what coffee can be and what coffee represents. So, so it transcends um, coffee as a medium for um for energy and keeping us awake but it's something that connects you to another world and something that can awaken your senses um and so i think for me it's from what i've been able to gather from all that and what i encourage people to do is actually do things that make you happy um and and also just be positive there's a lot of good in this world um like i say there's a lot of you know, things that I don't like about the supply chain in coffee and how it exploits uh, farmers. But 
I've, I've realized that there's also a lot of positiveness um, that can be found. So if you look at anything from a positive perspective, um, it's really powerful. Um, mm. So I think it's, it's a better approach. Again, having a lot of things counting against you, if you focus your energy on what are, what are, what are the goodness or what are the good things, um, that I think I found that to be uh, actually I think that might be my mantra in life is like I don't focus on like what's working against me it's like I focus on what you know what's what's good what are my strengths and really drawing from those so that's what I would encourage people is you know just live one day and just think anything that you encounter think of the positive side of it and, and see what that does to your life. Mm. Um, and so I think that that's what I would encourage um, people to really think about how like living life on the positive side uh, can be life changing. Well, Margaret, you just gave yeah. us several tea affirmations. So, <laughs> right, so it's going to be very exciting for me to... <laughs> very exciting to see which one I you know pull from um, yeah, pull one of those yeah <laughs> but thank you so so much uh for sharing your journey um sharing more about your business and how it came to be and um and just shedding more light and positivity on the process um and uh the resilience that you have been able to employ um, and uh, that you continue to employ. So for those that want to stay connected um, to you and, and your work and also invest in Kahawa, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been an exciting discussion. I've really enjoyed sort of sharing um, about the business, sharing about my experiences and um, and challenges uh, with you. Um, yeah, so I, you know, feel free to reach out to, um, so my email is maggie at kahawa1893.com or, you know, if you go to a website, which is kahawa1893.com, um, you can, you can find the contact information there and you can reach out directly and, um, you know, looking forward to having, you know, either a response to this discussion. I like to hear people's responses, um, or any thoughts that you have, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Instagram, uh, at Kahawa1893. We tend to have a lot of discussions there as well about current issues that are affecting the world and how they affect coffee. Hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I look forward to engaging with, um, with, with everyone. And really, this is a continuous discussion. And, and thank you for the platform and uh, for giving me um, this opportunity. No, thank you, Margaret. Um, so with that, you know, we're just going to sip on some chai. <laughs> yes, sip on some chai. And chai. some kahawa. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> Until we connect again, sip, sis, selah, share, and continue to serve.